0: Forward to Utopia by Sir Thomas More. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruth Golding. Forward by William Morris. Rafe robinson's translation of moore's utopia would not need any forward if it were to be looked upon merely as a beautiful book embodying the curious fancies of a great writer and thinker of the period of the renaissance no doubt till within the last few years it has been considered by the moderns as nothing more serious than a charming literary exercise spiced with the interest given to it by the allusions to the history of the time and by our knowledge of the career of its author but the change of ideas concerning the best state of a public weal which i will venture to say is the great event of the end of this century has thrown a fresh light upon the book so that now to some it seems not so much a regret for days which might have been as in its essence a prediction of a state of society which will be in short this work of the scholar and catholic of the man who resisted what has seemed to most the progressive movement of his own time has in our days become a socialist tract familiar to the meetings and debating rooms of the political party which was but lately like the cloud as big as a man's hand doubtless the utopia is a necessary part of a socialist's library yet it seems to me that its value as a book for the study of sociology is rather historic than prophetic and that we socialists should look upon it as a link between the surviving communism of the middle ages, become hopeless in Moore's time and doomed to be soon wholly effaced by the advancing wave of commercial bureaucracy, and the hopeful and practical progressive movement of today. In fact, I think Moore must be looked upon rather as the last of the old rather than the first of the new. Apart from what was yet alive in him of medieval communist tradition, the spirit of association, which amongst other things produced the guilds, and which was strong in the medieval catholic church itself, other influences were at work to make him take up his parable against the new spirit of his age the action of the period of transition from medieval to commercial society with all its brutalities was before his eyes and though he was not alone in his time in condemning the injustice and cruelty of the revolution which destroyed the peasant life of england and turned it into a grazing farm for the moneyed gentry creating with all at one stroke the propertyless wage-earner and the masterless vagrant hodier pauper yet he saw deeper into its root causes than any other man of his own day and left us little to add to his views on this point except a reasonable hope that those causes will yield to a better form of society before long moreover the spirit of the renaissance itself the intellectual side of the very movement which he strove against was strong in him and doubtless helped to create his utopia by means of the contrast which it put before his eyes of the ideal free nations of the ancients and the sordid welter of the struggle for power in the days of dying feudalism of which he himself was a witness this renaissance enthusiasm has supplanted in him the chivalry feeling of the age just passing away to him war is no longer a delight of the well-born but rather an ugly necessity to be carried on if so it must be by ugly means hunting and hawking are no longer the choice pleasures of knight and lady but are jeered at by him as foolish and unreasonable pieces of butchery his pleasures are in the main the reasonable ones of learning and music with all this his imaginations of the past he must needs read into his ideal vision together with his own experiences of his time and people not only are there bond-slaves and a king and priests almost adored and cruel punishments for the breach of the marriage contract in that happy island but there is throughout an atmosphere of asceticism which has a curiously blended savour of cato the censor and a mediaeval monk on the subject of war on capital punishment the responsibility to the public of kings and other official personages and such like matters more speaks words that would not be out of place in the mouth of an eighteenth-century jacobin and at first sight this seems rather to show sympathy with what is now mere Whiggism than with Communism. But it must be remembered that opinions which have become, in words, the mere commonplace of ordinary bourgeois politicians, were then looked on as pieces of startlingly new and advanced thought, and do not put him on the same plane with the mere radical of the last generation in more then are met together the man instinctively sympathetic with the communistic side of mediaeval society the protester against the ugly brutality of the earliest period of commercialism the enthusiast of the renaissance ever looking toward his idealized ancient society as the type and example of all really intelligent human life the man tinged with the asceticism at once of the classical philosopher and of the monk an asceticism indeed which he puts forward not so much as a duty but rather as a kind of stern adornment of life these are we may say the moods of the man who created utopia for us and all are tempered and harmonized by a sensitive clearness and delicate beauty of style which makes the book a living work of art but lastly we socialists cannot forget that these qualities and excellencies meet to produce a steady expression of the longing for a society of equality of condition a society in which the individual man can scarcely conceive of his existence apart from the commonwealth of which he forms a portion this which is the essence of his book is the essence also of the struggle in which we are engaged though doubtless it was the pressure of circumstances in his own days that made more what he was yet that pressure forced him to give us not a vision of the triumph of the new-born capitalistic society the element in which lived the new learning and the new freedom of thought of his epoch but a picture his own indeed not ours of the real new birth which many men before him had desired and which now indeed we may well hope is drawing near to realization though after such a long series of events which at the time of their happening seemed to nullify his hopes completely end of the forward a fruitful pleasant and witty work of the best state of a public weal and of the new isle called utopia written in latin by the right worthy and famous sir thomas more knight AND TRANSLATED INTO ENGLISH BY RAFE ROBINSON, SOMETIME FELLOW OF CORPUS CHRISTI COLLEGE IN OXFORD, AND NOW BY HIM AT THIS SECOND EDITION, NEWLY PERUSED AND CORRECTED, AND ALSO WITH DIVERS NOTES IN THE MARGENT AUGMENTED, IMPRINTED AT LONDON BY ABRAHAM WHEEL, DWELLING IN PAUL'S CHURCHYARD AT THE SIGN OF THE LAMB. THE TRANSLATOR TO THE GENTLE READER thou shalt understand gentle reader that though this work of utopia in english come now the second time forth in print yet was it never my mind nor intent that it should ever have been imprinted at all as who for no such purpose took upon me at the first the translation thereof but did it only at the request of a friend for his own private use upon hope that he would have kept it secret to himself alone whom though i knew to be a man indeed both very witty and also skilful yet was i certain that in the knowledge of the latin tongue he was not so well seen as to be able to judge of the fineness or coarseness of my translation wherefore i went the more slightly through with it propounding to myself therein rather to please my said friend's judgment than mine own to the meanness of whose learning I thought it my part to submit and attemper my style. Lightly, therefore, I overran the whole work, and in short time, with more haste than good speed, I brought it to an end. But as the Latin proverb saith, the hasty bitch bringeth forth blind whelps. For when this my work was finished, the rudeness thereof showed it to be done in post-haste howbeit rude and base though it were yet fortune so ruled the matter that to imprinting it came and that partly against my will howbeit not being able in this behalf to resist the pithy persuasions of my friends and perceiving therefore none other remedy but that forth it should i comforted myself for the time only with this notable saying of terence Ita vita est hominum quasicum ludas tesseris si illud quod est maxume opus iactu non cadit illud quod cecidit forte id arte ut in which verses the poet likeneth or compareth the life of man to a dice-playing or a game at the tables meaning therein if that chance rise not which is most for the player's advantage that then the chance which fortune hath sent ought so cunningly to be played as may be to the player least damage by the which worthy similitude surely the witty poet giveth us to understand that though in any of our acts and doings as it oft chanceth we happen to fail and miss of our good pretenced purpose so that the success and our intent prove things far odd yet so we ought with witty circumspection to handle the matter that no evil or incommodity as far forth as may be and as in us lieth do thereof ensue according to the which counsel though i am indeed in comparison of an expert gamester and a cunning player but a very bungler yet have i in this by chance that on my side unwares hath fallen so i suppose behaved myself that as doubtless it might have been of me much more cunningly handled had i forethought so much or doubted any such sequel at the beginning of my play so i am sure it had been much worse than it is if i had not in the end looked somewhat earnestly to my game for though this work came not from me so fine so perfect and so exact that at first as surely for my small learning it should have done if i had then meant the publishing thereof in print yes i trust i have now in this second edition taken about it such pains that very few great faults and notable errors are in it to be found now therefore most gentle reader the meanness of this simple translation, and the faults that be therein, as I fear much there be some, I doubt not, but thou wilt, in just consideration of the premises, gently and favourably wink at them. So doing, thou shalt minister unto me good cause, to think my labour and pains herein not altogether's bestowed in vain. Fale. End of Forward and Translator's Note